This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. If you're to set out to help create the most innovative solutions to some of today's biggest problems, where would you start? Well, the Harvard Business School decided it would start with local leaders. Rather than start at the federal level, where there seems to be such gridlock, they strategically and very intentionally have invested in today's local leaders from across a wide variety of sectors. So they started a program called the Young American Leaders Program, or YALP for short. They started in 2015, and they now gather 10 leaders from 14 cities across the country with the desire to create a cross-sector collaboration in order to focus on improving and generating shared prosperity in American cities. Well, my guest today is Dr. Jan Rivkin. In addition to helping to start the Yelp program, Dr. Rivkin is the Senior Associate Dean and Chair of the MBA program at Harvard and a professor in the Strategy Unit at Harvard Business School. We also want to give a shout out to my international listeners. It's always fun to see this program and podcast grow to more and more countries across the world. In fact, I've got a few new countries where I've had some new listeners from these countries. In fact, those new countries include Fiji, the Faroe Islands, Botswana, and Belize. That's kind of fun. So wherever you're listening, from, in fact, even if it's from North America or Canada, let me know where you're listening from. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have some suggestions of what you'd like to hear on this show or guests you'd like to have on the show, send me an email, nonprofitleadershippodcast at gmail.com. Nonprofitleadershippodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. And again, particularly if you're listening from one of these international countries, I'd love to hear from you. All right, that's enough of an intro. Now enjoy today's show. Well, Jan, it's so good to have you on the show today. Why don't you give our audience just a quick overview of your role at Harvard Business School and what led you to go into academia in the first place? Great, Rob. First, let me thank you for having me on the show and thank you especially for, for creating the show for all of us. So, look, I'm a professor in business strategy at Harvard Business School, where I also co-chair our project on U.S. competitiveness. I also just finished a four-year stint as faculty chair of the MBA program. Uh, that was a wonderful job because I got to work with lots of terrific MBA students who are going to go on to be impactful leaders in so many ways around the world. It's like being able to eavesdrop on the future, if you will. No kidding. Congratulations. What a great role to have. Yeah. 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 What led me into academia? Boy, that could be answered in so many different ways. You know, I was always a really curious kid, always asking lots of questions. And at some point, I realized that in academia, I can make a career out of being curious. You know, all in all, academia is a wonderful job for me. In the research part of the job, I get to ask tough questions and pursue the answers. And in the teaching part of the job, I get to help others realize their full potential. Like, what could be better? That's really good. And, you know, one of the top reasons I'm so excited to have you on the show is because I want my listeners to learn more about what you're doing with Yelp. That's Y-A-L-P, which is, stands for the Young American Leaders Program at Harvard. It was launched in 2015 out of the school's U.S. Competitiveness Project. 
So Yelp brings together 10 leaders from each of the participating typically 14 cities across the country with this desire to create a cross-sector collaboration in order to focus on improving and generating shared prosperity in American cities. I was so honored to be a part of this program actually last year, being part of the Salt Lake City Group. So Jan, talk just a bit more about the Yelp program. So first, Rob, thanks a ton for joining into the program last year and bringing all your energy and insight into the program. That was fantastic. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I think your listeners might appreciate kind of the journey that got us to Yelp, if you will. You mentioned the U.S. Competitors Project. That started back in 2011. Uh, You'll recall 2011, the Great Recession was releasing its tightest grip on the U.S. economy. And a lot of people were talking about the Great Recession followed by the not-so-great recovery. But a critical mass of my colleagues and I were concerned that what we were seeing in the U.S. economy was not a cyclical phenomenon, but a set of structural problems that had been a generation in the making. And so we dove into that. As we looked at the data, the dominant symptom that we observed in the U.S. economy was the lack of shared prosperity. Big business and those who ran and invested in those businesses were doing just great. But many working and middle-class Americans were struggling, as were many small businesses. We felt that that was unsustainable. And we started to ask ourselves why and what can leaders, especially business leaders, do about it. As we dove into the why, what we noted first was the systematic underinvestment that the country had undertaken in what we call the commons, the shared resources that we rely upon for every community, every company, every individual to to be productive. Mm -hmm. We're talking about things like education, workforce skills, basic R&D, supply networks, healthcare, housing, infrastructure, and so forth. And then we started to ask, what can leaders do about this? To be honest, Rob, we actually started by thinking about solutions at the federal level. Hmm, Okay. We came came up with a list of policy directions that we thought were very sound, things like deeper investment in infrastructure, uh, certain things around workforce skills, sustainable federal budgets, and so forth. We took those ideas down to Washington, expecting deep partisan divide. Instead, behind closed doors on Capitol Hill and at the White House, we found something much more bizarre, consensus. Like behind closed doors. Wow, that's rare. That's very rare. No, but but wait for it. Wait for (laughs) it here, Rob. So people said, yeah, these are the right directions. Then we'd ask, well, are we going to be able to, to operate on these policy directions at the federal level? And again, there was consensus that no, we would not. The partisan divides and the gridlock get in the way. Okay. That, that was maddening, right? Oh, yes. But at the same time, what we were finding at the local level was a set of points of real progress. And the progress took the same form again and again. It was local cross-sector collaboration to restore the commons. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we'd find companies working with community colleges to train the workers they know to hire. We found local governments working with local universities to get ideas out of research labs to start up sooner. We'd find civic leaders coming together to ask, where do we most need to invest in infrastructure in our town? Mm. So this was great news, right? Yeah. Here's the bad news. The bad news was the good ideas weren't spreading. Mm-hmm. We'd go to one city, talk about the great effective local cross-sector collaborations we were seeing in another city. And they were surprised. They had mm, no idea. Okay. They said, look, we could do the same 
in your town, right? So that is how the idea for Yap was formed. We said, look, why don't we go to senior leaders in cities around the country, ask the senior leaders in each city to identify each year 10 young leaders who they believe will make a tremendous difference in their town in the future. And they should come from government, business, nonprofits, educational institutions, faith-based organizations, labor, law enforcement, philanthropy, you name it. And then we bring them together, 10 people per city, 14 cities. Now we've got a real cohort and bring them here for a week-long boot camp in cross-sector collaboration toward the end of shared prosperity. Okay. That's the basic scheme. Nice. You know, within it, Rob, we, we basically try to deliver on three things. And when I say deliver, we're trying to both provide these three things, but also provide a platform okay. where the individuals from different cities can provide these things to each other. The three things are insight into where America and American cities stand today, examples of innovative cross-sector collaborations that move cities forward, and personal leadership lessons, particularly around collaboration. How do you lead where no one's in charge? Hmm. Okay. So that's the basic idea. Well, it's been really fascinating to see what you've already accomplished. So maybe you could restate that again. So far, what have been some of the top results? And along the way, what have been some of the biggest surprises for you with this program? Yeah, yeah. So I want to be very humble and modest when we talk about results. You know, look, we've got senior champions identifying incredible individuals from different communities. When they go back home and do amazing things, is that the result of Yelp? I, you know, I, I don't want to claim that, <laughs> sure. uh, right? I'll be very, that. very careful sure. about that. But, you know, we look at the results in terms of the short run and the long run. So in the short run, we hope that some of the individual leaders or groups of leaders that come to us will take some of the ideas from the programs and some of the case studies we share and find them to be a source of inspiration for things they can do in their own city. Uh, so I'll give you two examples from Chattanooga. The folks from Chattanooga came one year and they heard about a program in Boston called the Boston Basics. The Boston Basics helps inspire young parents to do certain things with their kids to uh, advance them cognitively in their first few years, read to them, count with them, you know, point out things, identify, for, identify those things. A few months later, we had you know the Chattanooga Basics because some mm. of the Young leaders from Chattanooga taking the idea, idea run with it right back to, wow. to Chattanooga. Fantastic. You know, another example, we taught a case on a program called 12 for Life in rural Georgia. It's a program started by the company Southwire, which is a maker of cable and wire. And it took at-risk high school students and gave them an educational opportunity to develop workforce skills in a factory staffed entirely by at-risk high school students hmm. and managed by teachers and by Southwire employees. Okay. The folks from Chattanooga loved that idea. They found a company in Chattanooga, Bishop, to start a similar effort back in Chattanooga. So we've got lots of examples. Like, but honestly, we're playing a very long-term game here. My sense is that what will happen is years from now, Salt Lake City, you know, your home region, will face a challenge or an opportunity and you will be, you know, a leading nonprofit figure in town. One of the other people you were at Yelp with will be the mayor of the city 
another person will be a business leader from the city. And when that challenge or opportunity comes around, you'll be better able to, to react because you know each other, you've had a shared experience, you trust one another. We actually saw this during COVID, by the way. Hmm. So lots of lots of efforts by former Yacht participants who came together quickly because they knew each other and trusted each other. I, boy, that's such an interesting insight, just the relationships that are built from this program. Perhaps at the end of the day, maybe one of the most important things you're doing is connecting people. Obviously, you, yeah. you, have, you bring great ideas and the professors that are involved are excellent um, teachers and professors and, and draw us out you know, and draw these ideas out of this collective group. But yeah, those relationships make a huge difference. And one of the things I was really impressed with was yeah. Harvard's... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Can I, can I highlight just one thing you said there? Actually, two yeah. things you said there. Yeah. It really is a team effort. It's kind of you to interview me, but there is a whole big team here at Harvard Business School. My colleagues, Rosbeth Moss-Canner and Karen Mills and Mitch Weiss and Montre Raman, who helped teach the program. So first of all, it's a big team effort. The other thing, the other thing is, actually, it's very much a two-way street. It's a two-way street. We learn much more than we teach from the program, right? We learn from all the participants and then we aim to give back to the next year's cohort all the things that we learn from the current year's cohort. So it's kind of an intellectual Ponzi scheme in a way. Uh, That's really interesting. You know, well, here's what's interesting. Harvard's program is driven by the hope that solutions to our struggles and problems often emerge from the local level. Now, most of my listeners are nonprofit leaders, right? And so when you say local level, you mean this includes nonprofit leaders, of course, but you also mean policymakers, business people, educators, clergy, and others really across a wide variety of sectors. So now why is it that the local level has been so important from your experience to address and even resolve some of these most pressing issues? What have you found so far? Yeah, so the local level is crucially important. I don't want to portray that it's the only important level. I think state and federal matter a great deal. That said, there are a few things that make local very special, and I'll highlight three. First, many of the levers we need to pull for shared prosperity are inherently local. Education, workforce skills, infrastructure, healthcare, these are just local issues, right? The main ways you affect them are at the local levels. Second, there is accountability at the local level. There's much less partisanship, right? People work hard to get stuff done in their communities. And when the school system is not operating as it should, the local individuals have every incentive to improve that, right? Matters to them in a deep way. And we just, we just see far less, far less of the gridlock at the local level. Yeah. The third and final thing is local knowledge. Hmm, okay. I think solutions need to be tailored to local conditions. I mean, I think about what you do at the Christian Center of Park City around mental health or around food security. There are things you do, I'm certain, that are tailored to the specific circumstances of Park City, right? Yeah, true. And no one at the national level is going to be able to do that, hmm. right? Good point. Yeah. So. Knowledge, accountability, and the levers are right there. Oh, I like that. No, I like that. Hey, can I ask? Can mm-hmm. I ask one question? Going back to the last question, this will be yeah. maybe something for your editors. Sure. Is, I know. I know, Rob. You asked the questions here. <laughs> yeah. 
But I do have a question. What do sure. you find most impactful from your experience at Yelp? Okay, you my answer to that? Yeah, I like how you just turned the tables there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No, I could say so much about yeah. this. Um, yes, I'll boil it down to two or three things. So first, I would go back to what you just said, relationships. You know, the people I was able to meet uh, was one of the best parts of this program. Uh, I was part of the Salt Lake cohort, as I mentioned earlier. And just the group that we had was just really fun to meet all of these great leaders right here in the Salt Lake area and the broader Utah area. Now, sadly, I was in the program during COVID, and so we only did things through Zoom. But even on Zoom, we were able to still connect with people you know, via Zoom and, and got to know them a bit. And I felt like we still connected, even though they were you know, halfway across the country. And I felt like because of that, we were really um, able to connect both online you know, through our different um, case study discussions. But then, of course, our cohort in Salt Lake, then we just connected as our group because we actually got together. We were able to meet together in one room as we watched the rest of the group via Zoom. So I think relationships was one of the best parts. And here's one other side note for those maybe interested in the program. We're able to, uh, those who were from other cities, we connected through LinkedIn and Facebook. That's one of the positive things of social media. And we still connect and are able to connect whenever we want to in the future. So relationships, I think, is the first thing I took away from this program. Secondly, I would say that uh, inspiration. You know, I was really inspired as we talked through these case studies that you and your colleagues presented. I truly did. I I left inspired by the discussion, the dialogue, the creative ideas that came through these class sessions. I mean, hearing from leaders across the country that are not getting stuck in gridlock, but instead are really trying to move forward uh, with creative solutions to their city's various issues. That was very energizing and, and really very inspiring. So that'd be the second thing. And then the last takeaway I'd say is, I would just say is the faculty. You and your team really are top shelf. You provided an excellent learning laboratory, and I really think that benefited all of us. So anyway, those would be my top three takeaways. So your answer uh, warms my heart. It's true. I I, I often think that uh, we'd like the participants to walk away informed, inspired, and connected. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. If we can do that, we've had a really good experience. Well, you summed it up really well. There you go. I mean, yeah, I would say check. I mean, it really was. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely. The, the inspiration is a big deal, actually, yeah. I think. I, I think what I see happening often during Yelp is a mutual racing of sites. Okay. Where you're, you're looking, you know, the folks in Salt Lake are looking at the folks in Minneapolis, St. Paul and saying, well, if they're doing that, we could do this. Yeah. Meanwhile, the folks in Minneapolis, St. Paul are looking at the folks in Birmingham are saying, if Birmingham's doing that, we could do this. Yeah. And it just spirals upward. Absolutely. Well, we saw that with the Salt Lake cohort. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's fun. I agree. No, it's fun. It is very fun. Well, thanks again, Jan, for sharing your insights. I really look forward to sharing part two of my interview with you next week. So for my listeners, one of the questions I'll start with is asking Jan, what leadership traits in particular characterize change makers? You don't want to miss next week in part two. So tune in next week. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.